You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan Estates invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Fun story about that coming up in just a bit, by the way. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Apart for only one week, Joe, you're back in a few days. Yes, my my travel schedule is often... um, Stupid, ridiculous. Stupid, yes, ridiculous. My friends are like, you're doing what? You're gone for how long? And this time I was like, I'm back for about four days, guys. And then I'm going back to England again, and they're like... Okay, dude, you do you. That's right. I'm back in L.A. for one week. Next week, I'm in England. Coming up on today's show, we've got some cash challenge to recap. Yes. We are saying goodbye to Mila and hello to Alex. He is our second loose. Why can't I call him anything than the loose cannon? The challenger. More on that. Seven years later, and he can't let go of the big game. I I just look. It's my it's my home. Uh. I watched I watched some of this on TV live in the UK. I had a little uh, had a little self uh, session watching uh, watching the show. But anyway, we're going to talk about that with our guest Sam Grafton because he is also. Do we have the faders ready? Do we have the volume <laughs> control he's not ready? That bad. Uh, he's gotten better, but he is a he is a loud human. But luckily, I enjoy almost every word that comes out of his mouth. James and I. Uh, it was a slow poker week, and James James's family is out of town, so we played some video games. This was an impromptu thing. This wasn't planned. Um, I think I hit you up on Sunday, and then last night, we basically hooked up online. We created a party, and uh, we played some PUBG. We played some Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Is that what they call a PUBG? Yeah. That's what the kids I, call it. I always think that someone's talking about an actual pub. Anyway, super fan Chris Gumprich is here to yes. challenge me. On the subject of airplane, and uh, James, did you make this quiz? This is one of mine. Uh, great, wonderful. So You're I have screwed. no shot. You're screwed. Wonderful. Um, what's the story then about Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton? Okay. So I was on a date uh, yesterday, and the conversation was going really well, and we were talking about what we do and blah blah blah. And we were talking about uh, she was saying that Joe Stapleton is like a great name for a stand-up comic. Uh, she's like th- just syllabically, it, it really goes pretty well. And I was like, oh, I, I'd never really thought about that, but it does. Like a Joe Stapleton is like a, it, it does work to be announced. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes I go by Stapes or Uncle Daddy, and she laughed at the Uncle Daddy thing. And then she told me that, um, that in her family she's got like something like thirteen nieces and nephews, and two of her brothers are are twins, and that her, the twins' kids call the uncle uncle daddy because they don't know which one it is because their their dad and their uncle are identical twins so they're like is this i'm sorry are you my dad or are you uncle daddy (laughs) which i was like that is amazing i didn't realize that there could actually be like a literal uncle daddy and i told her no no no. see i'm uncle daddy because i'm fun like an uncle but i'll discipline you like a daddy and she immediately like backed away yeah, that's just really, really creepy because there is something a little bit ugh about it as well. Yes, but it's a good way to test on the date because when she, if she leans in after that statement, I'm like, I am in. I wasn't in. Um, I had a date uh, cancel also this week. Uh, I bought tickets to Black Panther but didn't go because I got stood up. But I feel like that's almost like my way of supporting the cause. Like I, That's how liberal I am is I'm buying tickets 
to support black filmmakers and black actors. And but I don't even go. I don't even I don't even take away from the community. I'm only giving to the community. I understand that your date didn't want to go, but you could still have gone to see it yourself. Yeah, I just you know I figured this was this was a better way. This was it was a better way to not to not to to leave only footprints, James, and take only pictures. Um, I know that you've got some minor social media beef. Um, can I just quickly, while we're talking about movies, read this yeah. message that I received today from Mavo? Um, a while back, I think it was towards the latter end of last year, I tweeted about The Nice Guys, which is on Netflix in the UK. I've watched it a couple of times, and I really love it. I think it's a wonderfully it. written movie. Love it. And I questioned why it only had 7.4 on IMDb, because I actually think it's one of my favorite films of recent years. So Mavo goes, sorry, The Nice Guys just did not work for me. It is confused noir. I don't know how it got 7.4 on IMDb. It deserves a 4. Big budget and cast with combined with a bad script. I even slept a few times during it, but LA Confidential aced this genre. Well, first of all, the two films do not fall into the same genre. Secondly, as someone who wrote a dissertation on the subject, noir is not a genre. Noir was an artistic style prevalent in Hollywood filmmaking from 1941 to 1958. If you're talking about neo-noir films, of which certainly you could argue LA Confidential falls within that boundary, I would say that The Nice Guys doesn't. You're confusing the detective genre with the noir style. Also, one is a detective drama slash thriller, one is a comedy. Uh, what, but there, what, what can you say that th there is a similar feeling to both of these movies that they're just both in LA and they're both period movies. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, one's in the 1930s and one's in the 1970s. They've got so much in common. I guess, I guess oh, it was fifties. Was it LA, LA, LA confidential was fifties, right? Yeah. The fifties. I, yeah. I think the genre that he is, um, is saying they're both a part of that, that could be applicable is mystery. They're both I, mysteries. I guess so, but one is a genuine mystery played seriously uh, and with political dimensions, and the other is a mystery that serves as a device to bring us these wonderful characters and these wonderful incidents because it's played for laughs, and I think it's a wonderfully written film. I don't think there is anything bad about the script. I think Shane Black is a very talented writer, and more times than not, he nails it. I think that um, the nice guys that one of the complaints that I'm fine with people having is is a little convoluted. Um, but again, that's part of the joy of it. I agree. I think that that's that's the style he was going for. And I, look, I don't know if noir is the right word, but much like he did with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he's trying to make one of these sort of uh, trashy novels yes. uh, in, into a movie. And I think that he succeeds really well at that. I also really love the nice guys, but a couple of my friends hated it. This Facebook message from Miguel Fernandez, James, I need your help to temper my response to this guy. Uh, he says, uh, hi, Joe, I need your assistance, please. I am looking for the spreadsheet used by poker tournament directors to calculate final table deals. It is quite commonly used, but I cannot get a hold of it. Would you be so kind to forward it to me? <laughs> I would really appreciate your help. Please send it to blah, 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 blah at gmail.com. Thank you, Manuel. So it's Manuel Fernandez, not Miguel Fernandez. Oh, sorry, Miguel. Yeah, well, that is a mistake that I probably am going to get a lot of trouble for making. Um, <laughs> why on earth would he ask you? No yes, offense. Yes, thank you. Okay, good. No, that was my that was my initial response. What the fuck are you asking me for? I mean, I would say there would be even a little bit more logic in coming to me, but we're not tournament staff. We don't have access to this shit. 
Right. And I guess he thinks that I could ask Toby or someone to forward it to me, but that's not what he, uh. he says. Right. And so I'm just going to do what most, uh, what most girls do and they ghost me and pretend like I never got this message. Fair enough. So let's talk about what we did last night, Joe. So yeah, I hit you up at the weekend and said, I've been playing uh, PUBG on Xbox. Let's, let's hook up. Let's do a session together. And I even invested because I knew, I knew having watched some Twitch streams of people <laughs> like playing this game as a team, either as a duo or as a, a, a team of four, that communication is key. So I basically went onto Amazon and bought myself a cheap-ass nerd helmet, which is effectively just a pair of headphones with a little microphone sticking out of it. Did you get the term nerd helmet from me? Because... Yes, very much so. Okay. Do you remember when we gave one away on the live stream a few years back? We had like a proper, really decent one, like proper yeah. gamer headset. And you referred to it as the nerd helmet. And I just thought it's the perfect name for it, the perfect brand. If I were to actually have a line of these headsets, that would be the brand I would go for. I mean, back when I started calling it a nerd helmet, which is when the first P when PS3 came out, um, you know, it was still kind of cool to call the nerd helmet now these nerds are way cooler than me as evidenced <laughs> by the fact that i can't do any fucking thing on this xbox first of all when you're texting me about hey do you are you still playing pub 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 g um do you want to play my first response was james where's your family <laughs> what have you done with them because there's like this is just doesn't happen like not specifically with you but like everyone i know who has a family they're not playing player unknown battleground they're like playing take my kid to ice skating lessons and then like gotta drive uber on the weekend so i can afford private school this is not um to be fair i do find time some evenings just to play video games but i don't find the opportunity to play with someone else online who i know and again realizing that this game i think probably works better when you play it as a team either a squad of four or a duo i was very keen to try that out um, granted, the fact that we're both terrible at it means that you don't necessarily see the benefits of playing as a team, and the fact that it's clearly developed as a PC game, and I think we should probably tell people what we're talking about, just in case there's one person who hasn't come across this game, which sure. is one of the biggest video games in the world right now. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is basically how is it one of the how is it one of the biggest games in the world, by the way, because it's it's not even done. Like, exactly. I, <laughs> this is this is what they call a preview edition. This is this is not the finished article, and it is a little bit rough and ready. It's filled with bugs. The graphics are not that great. It looks like a PS2 game, quite frankly, in terms of the actual quality of uh, of, of the graphics. But. I think it's the mechanic that's inspired everyone. The fact that you are thrown into this player pool. It shares that quality in a way with poker that you basically just sign up for the game. You combine with a hundred randoms and you as an animated character are parachuted onto this island and it's battle to the death. As the game continues, the playing area shrinks. You're forced into the middle of the island and last man standing or last team standing wins. You land on this island with absolutely nothing. You've got to find weapons and then you've got to find a vehicle, move around the island and take out the other companions contestants it, i thought it was i actually found it to be very similar to poker in a lot of ways too i'd even think about the fact that the playing field contracts as to being like the blinds going up yeah um but i the the fact that um you know there's a hundred players in there sometimes you're out first through almost no fault of your own and sometimes you're out 20th through no through no benefit of your through no re, for no good reason either it really sucks when you parachute out of the plane and you just see that there's some dude landing right ahead of you. He gets into the building first, grabs the shotgun, boom, you're done. Um, but sometimes you can make it quite far, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, 
But first of all, Joe, step one was getting you to plug in your nerd helmet. Yes. So I, I went, you said you went out and bought a nerd helmet. And so I went, I've never, I never turned down an opportunity to go to GameStop. And so I went there and I saw these nerd helmets. And I was like, this one's $200. This one's 120. I spent 15 these, pounds on mine. These, like these ones are only 20 bucks. And I was like, I'm almost positive. I have one of these. By the I way, I, I, was, I was really tempted on Sunday. I was thinking, ah, I could just uh, borrow one of the Sennheiser broadcast headsets that we used on the live stream during the PCA. But then I realized not only is that using a sledgehammer to crack a nut, but also it's like the mic input is XLR. It's a standard jack for the headphones. And actually no all, way. with the Xbox controllers, nah, mini jack, three, three, you know, three pin. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I was like, I think I have one of these at home, but I was afraid I would get home and it would be like for my 360 or something right. and wouldn't work on the Xbox One. As, but I'm trying to be better with money. And I was like, you know what? If I don't have to buy this headset. And I also have the uh, the camera, uh, the Kinect camera for Xbox. So I figured if worse came to worse, I would just be using the microphone uh, off of that, hopefully. But I got home and I found my headset. And then I got to my Xbox and I looked all around <laughs> where to plug it in. And there was nowhere to plug it in. Uh, with the sort of connection that it had, and I was like, "Ah, <laughs> shit! I guess this is the wrong, this is the wrong headset." But luckily, I decided to text James, and he was like, "No, you idiot! You plug it into the controller." <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, otherwise you're gonna have a very need a very long headphone cable to trail from your Xbox to wherever you're right, sitting. Right, but I thought that was why people liked preferred wireless headsets was because <laughs> they didn't have to plug it all the way in to the Xbox machine, uh. but. But yeah, so I, I we got that going um, finally, and uh, it was pretty. Uh, I noticed that not only is the game like poker, but me and James play this game like we commentate, and we were commentating as well. I do think we probably missed a trick. Uh, we pr probably could have streamed this, and maybe a handful of people might have enjoyed it. I don't. I. I didn't. I. I, I had the streaming ready to go. I. Got, I got home early and made sure my Twitch was all set up to do it. I wasn't sure you were gonna want to because sometimes, like, I think about streaming video games all the time, and then I'm like, you know what? I kind of just want to play yeah. video games and and not perform and not have to worry about what I'm gonna say. You know, obviously. We, the conversations that you and I had during this game are not always going to be fit for broadcast. That is true. So, and I was like, if James is just has like one week to like hang out, play video games, maybe he doesn't want to be on right now. If you want to play again sometime and stream it, I'm totally down for that. Um, but our, our, our gameplay was a lot like we commentate. I was very reckless. James was very straight laced and much like our commentary, we are both equally ineffective. <laughs> It was really frustrating. I think we played three games in a row where we were basically like out within like three minutes. It was not long at all. But I said to you, the key is we need to find a vehicle. And initially we found like the crappy car. And yeah. then we found the motorbike. And you were like loving the motorbike with sidecar. And I'm riding in the sidecar ready to kind of like take out anyone who comes near us. And what did I say, Joe? Stay on the road. No, no, no. It's, it's dangerous driving on the road. I'm going to go cross country. I believe what I said is where we're going, we don't need roads. Yeah. And where did we end up? I well, look, there was some. Remember that ditch from Tremors where they <laughs> run the graboid into the into the ditch? That's what happened. We yeah. somehow. And the bike ended up upside down, not only injuring both of us so that our health went down by 50 percent, but then the bike was upside down and we couldn't get it the right way back up again. 
yes, that's that is all true. And then we went and were immediately killed. And James is like, well, this will never this would never have happened if you stayed on the road. We don't know that we could have died sooner. You don't know that. Uh, so I did very much enjoy driving. Um, and the thing is, both of us are completely, completely <laughs> impotent when it comes to killing people. I'm so crap at firing guns. It is so bad. I'm good at firing the guns, but this game now, one of the drawbacks I will say is that it is not an intuitive game at all. And I find it to be, I find the controls to be really sluggish. Well, I think we need to say that it was initially developed as a game for PC and now right. it's made it to like gaming console. But the problem is on a PC, every single letter on the keyboard, every single symbol corresponds to a command on a, on a controller for an Xbox or a PS4, you've got a limited number of buttons. So they've tried to cram a lot in and there are certain combinations or certain menu functions. It's really hard. And I also think that, you know, that the game itself is just not quite there yet no. in the, you know, it says like press B to jump out of the airplane. I had to press B three or four times. And or, I struggle uh, with the rudimentary graphics. I'm sorry, but I can't see stuff clearly. The fact that. It's oh, yeah. It was so funny because I died and I was watching James's screen and I see he's got like this gun with like a, a sight on it. And I'm like, James, there's a, there's two guys right in front of you, James. James and he's like where I'm like James you're literally pointed they're both in your reticle right now just and he's like I don't know what you're where and I'm like there's two guys right they're just standing still get them and then he just starts shooting because he doesn't know what to do and he shoots in between the two of them and they both Which get away I think was an achievement and I think I should be lauded for that ability to miss so them James James needs some better graphics. I got killed about three different times because I didn't realize you have to put your machine gun into machine gun mode. So it was like a guy driving at me with a motorcycle, and I like hold down the the trigger, and it shows a one shot, and then I get rubber. <laughs> also, when you're trying to get away quickly, either jumping on your motorbike, getting into your buggy, or getting into your jeep, it puts you in the fucking back seat. Why would I ever jump into the back seat? Well, if there's four players, I get why the back seat's available, but like there is twice that that fucked us where I was like, I saw a guy and I was going to hop into a car and run him over. And what happens is I hopped into the back seat. <laughs> he at, at this point turns and aims at me. I get out of the back seat to get in the front seat and get shot. You should at least be able to move inside the car to the driver's seat. You can. You can move around using uh, the A button. It's it. it but, but God damn it! <laughs> again, you've just got to it, it, only. There's no tutorial. There's no instructions. You just got to play a lot to get used to it. And that's what I did after we uh, finished our session, Joe. I then uh, continued on my own playing solo games, and I actually had my best result to date. Wait, what was our best result? I think our best result. And bear in mind, we were playing teams. I think we were the what was it? The twenty fifth ranked team. Okay, so twenty fifth out of fifty. Yeah, so basically 50% mark. Not, so not, not even a min-cash. <laughs> In the solo games, I consistently make the top 10. I'm very good at killing people by running them over, less good at shooting them. And basically, I, this was through luck rather than anything else. I just happened to be located on a part of the island which became the center of the play zone as it contracted and you just hit the entire time so basically i just stayed in this building randomly shooting at people and missing them and then i jumped into a jeep and there's me and one other guy left in the game and we're both in jeeps and we literally collide and both jeeps blow up and clearly my jeep blew up first because i came second rather than first so sadly oh, it was not winner winner chicken dinner instead 
it was a second place finish, but that's still the best I've ever done in this game. And even though I'm rubbish at it, I still find it fiercely addictive. You play this like you play poker. You just lying in the weeds, staying alive when you need to. Yeah. Just 20 big blinds stack. I know the metaphors. I know the analogies sound forced, but it is a strategy game and there are a lot of parallels with poker. Um, I'm sure we will play again, Joe. I hope we'll have the opportunity to play again. Uh, but now we are actually going to talk about the game of poker. It's time for our TV recap. TV recap. Because we continue to break down the PokerStars Championship Cash Challenge shows, which are airing on Channel 4 in the UK and are available for everyone else to watch at PokerStars.tv and on the PokerStars YouTube channel. So just to be clear, they go out on UK TV on Wednesday nights and then on Thursday they get uploaded to PSTV and YouTube. Um, so we checked in with Charlie Carroll a few weeks back, Joe, and at that point Charlie had turned things around. He'd started off being stuck for the better part of 25 grand he was to quote kevin hart on tilt then he had the comeback <laughs> the big double up against faraz jacker he ended that session as the big winner um i did feel that by the time we got to the fifth and final show of that lineup that fatigue was starting to set in everyone was getting a little bit tired a few people were still splashing around but like even daniel had knitted it up a little bit Liv decided to tap out, and Igor came in, I think, for the last 15 hands, maybe last 20 hands. Yeah, I mean, look, something that, you know, it doesn't show up on the TV shows as much as it did in real life is, you know, there was drinking involved. Uh, everyone came out of the gate super strong energy-wise, and it's hard to keep up that energy for 150 hands, especially because I think, too, that Mila was trying to lock down some small profit, right? So yeah, she was. And at one point, she was down to just 4K. Now, it's worth recapping that after the big calamity in episode three, where obviously Kevin misread his hand and she got felted, Kevin then gave her 15 grand to play with, and he, she was told that she gets to keep anything she has left. But understandably, she wants to play to the end of the session. She wanted to still play hands. She got down to four grand, but she did then have, towards the end of the session, that big double up against Charlie, where she had kings, Charlie had jacks. Kings held. She doubles up to 8K, and she managed to hold on to that 8K and make it to the end of the session with that profit. Yeah, and so I think that when the dynamic changes where you know the, the amateur at the table gets into lockdown mode, that's really going to slow things down. Uh, quite a bit and you know i just think that at that point everyone was kind of exhausted they realized that there wasn't a ton of money to be won at that point but there's still some great hands towards the end of that session but you it, it is it is visible that people are ready for things to wrap up so mila's story comes to an end but that is not the end of the series because of course it's broken into two five episodes from the first table but there was then a second day there was a second table a second lineup with a new challenger we say goodbye to mila we say hello to alex curry uh, we also say hello to jamie staples to selena lynn to jake cody to ali reza fatehi and to Sam Grafton, the squid. And we're going to get him on the line in a moment. But Joe, you watched this show when it went out? Yeah, and I tried to make the best of that bad situation. I, this went out on Valentine's Day. And I know that Valentine's Day is not a huge deal in the UK, but I was in London at the time. And I got stood up on Valentine's Day. I actually went to your house for dinner. Yes. 
And then I was supposed to meet up with somebody after that, and that ended up not happening. And I was like, well, since I'm going to be literally masturbating on Valentine's Day, I might as well figuratively masturbate as well. So I went to McDonald's and got a shit ton of food and sat in front of my hotel TV and laughed at my own jokes (laughs) on Channel 4, and it was a pleasure. Look. I, I may like myself a little bit more than I should, but I think we put out really good shows, and it was really fun to be able to watch this on TV again. So I was kind of glad that I got stood up. And also, I kind of deserve it because I stood someone else up for the person who stood me up. So, you know, all's well that ends well. What goes around comes around. That's I the do one I think. I do think the success of this show and the episode that followed, the episode that aired this week, is largely due however to the presence of our guest on this week's show because yes the squid is at the table sam grafton is competing in the poker stars championship cash challenge and he's joining us right now on poker in the ears welcome back to the podcast sam yeah just when you thought kevin hart couldn't be topped they bring along selena lynn and sam grafton <laughs> it's like the you stakes like when you come on as the second like your warm-up act would be who uh joe like it would be like I don't know, coming on after, like, Steve Martin in his prime. Coming, or coming yeah. on after Kevin Hart, possibly. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. But, but Sam, look, I, I, when I voiced the first episode of this show, I immediately had to hop on Facebook and write to Sam and tell him, dude, you are so funny. You cracked me up as much. Look, I think Kevin is very funny, and I think you are just as funny as he is at the table. The references you drop and the timing you have, I don't know how you do it, but I kind of hate you because you're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's kind of a specific humor, yeah? I, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about what makes someone funny or, or not and in what context. It's like it's actually quite hard to be funny about something if you don't know anything about it, right? Like yes. it's like – Kevin does like obviously isn't at the poker table as much as me. Whereas I guess I know what's you know like it's like I can pick up on what Jake does and, and point out the little absurdities or whatever because I mean I've just spent a lot of time at the poker table. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a different it's a different uh, way of viewing things for sure. Now, Sam, in discussing these shows, we have to be a little bit careful because we don't want to give any spoilers. As we mentioned, only two of the five shows have aired so far, and the focus has very very much been on Jake's early success and your clashes with Ali Reza, which we'll come to in a moment. Actually, the first thing I was going to ask you is, are you still in a land down under? Yes, I am. I'm, in, uh, I'm actually in a pretty swanky flat in Melbourne. I was, um, I've been in Tasmania the last week or so, which I've never been to, which was amazing. And now I'm, uh, I'm back in Melbourne uh, and I'm here for a week. Um, and then I'm going to Thailand. So, yeah, like roaming around. So I take it you haven't been able to follow the shows on TV. So we're relying on your memory of actually playing the game in spring of last I, I year. Saw, I mean, come on, Jen. If you put me on TV, I will watch you. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend. I, I could be very away. aloof and be like, be like, I don't remember that. I played a TV cat. Uh, it all blurs into one, you know. No, obviously, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I watched the first. I watched the first episode. The second episode, I think, hasn't come out yet. Or it, it basically comes to YouTube in Australia in a couple of days or whatever. So I've seen the first episode um where where ali bluffed me <laughs> yes which we will come to but let's get your overview on it first of all your thoughts on the format and your thoughts on the lineup that you faced um i i i, I thought it came across really well on tv and and that's really nice because I, I enjoyed it on the day but you never know how it's i've had like quite good experiences at tables and it just doesn't translate to tv and and 
and the opposite you can have like quite awkward chat with people and like suddenly in the in the magic of editing it looks like you're like you know best friends or it's really good or something and um and yeah it was really good i, I mean i think one great thing for me just to set me at ease and I, I i i think he probably feels the same is me and jake just have a very good rapport and have known each other a long time and have a and and jake's the sort of character where he can take you know he i can needle him and he'll sort of play along and punch back or or whatever well jake jake doesn't really punch back at all in any of these (laughs) shows it's a lot of you punching him but i will say he takes it incredibly well exactly um you know you 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 call him out for a couple things uh and it's (laughs) hilarious and he laughs right, right along with it do you think that that is a testament to your relationship or to jake's demeanor in general yeah i mean i think he's a fantastic uh, ambassador for the game and stuff. It's quite, it's actually really interesting to have seen Jake grow into the role of like uh, just I guess grow up in general. Yeah, you know, like if you watch interviews of him when he just after he won Doville and those like first couple of years when I knew him, I mean he was like kind of shy and a bit awkward, and now he just comes across like he's you know he's just seen, been traveling the world for four or five years like you know has got has grown in maturity and uh yeah and I, I think he comes across great on tv and but but what i mean is like knowing one person out of the six just makes it, or, or the five just makes it so much easier because now you're naturally going to chat and uh and that brings everyone else in obviously jamie stable's re- really good as well um and like he's also someone that i think wow if you are this comfortable uh in this kind of media setting at his age, imagine what he'll be like after f- the kind of five years in the spotlight Jake's had. And then basically with the challenger, it was real good because basically if, you, if you're a student from the Midlands, I identify, I'm going to get on fine with you, you know? <laughs> he, he, he lives like, you know, where he goes to uni is like really near to me and, you know, sort of similar background or whatever. So he, he was absolutely great and, and, and contributed and, and, and was, it was very easy to involve him in the banter as well and then yeah, you know you uh, mentioned like, so overall it was real good you mentioned that uh, you know you can't really uh, be funny about something unless you know some stuff about it so that explains why you were able to be so funny with alex and then you knew enough about jake's history especially how he won doville and that suck out hand that just <laughs> set the stage so well for what it was gonna like be like between you guys and i like James knew that the reference you dropped was not the guy that Jake actually beat heads up, but who is Hugo Lemaire? <laughs> so he, it was such a good me. reference because so many of us still remember Hugo Lemaire from the circuit back in the kind of late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, so he's um he's the guy that the uh, that Jake sucked out on with the four ten. Oh, it is him. Kings. Yeah, but it wasn't heads up that he sucked down. No, no, no. This was, like was uh, for the... two tables left. Yeah, it was like 10 left for the chip lead or whatever. And he sucked out with um, with 410 versus Kings. So, like, whenever we see him in the Rio hallway or anything like that, <laughs> everyone just starts shouting, Hugo. And, like, he, like, all the Brits love him. And, like, we grab him. And he's just like, please leave me alone. Like, let me forget about this moment. It's, like, quite a, you know, he's quite a, like, cult figure in in british british poker because jake jake you know put him in the hairlocker so badly he's you know? like the bill buckner of uh of 
English poker. Bill Buckner, for those of you who don't know, was the guy who let the ball go between his legs in the World Series, and the Mets came back to win like four, uh, four games to three. So um, he's he's like a hero for being a loser. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, uh, I, I reference the fact that Jake has some early success in these early shows, and there is some conversation about the 10-4 hand. Jake wins a hand with 10-4. He also wins a hand by betting pot on the river, something you give him a lot of stick for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was just a, a funny moment. I mean, I, that's just, I don't know. It's, it is really interesting to watch yourself back. I mean, that's just a moment where, like, I think that happens a lot in poker where someone wins a big pot and if you can just say something to break the tension. I'm not saying, like, I overthink it, but it, it just sort of comes, like, it's a bit of an awkward moment for Selena. We've, we've just started the game and we're all getting on really well. And, like, obviously she's... You know, moments when you're on TV playing poker, it's, it's obviously a slightly heightened experience. You, you know, you do feel like that bit more under pressure and everything is a bit more magnified. So when you can just make a joke and like, you know, now everyone's at ease again. Selena can get more money out and it just makes for, you know, a, a convivial atmosphere at the table. So I guess that's just something that kind of either comes naturally to me or like over well, the years I've, I've started to cultivate or whatever people sort of under uh, undervalue that skill both from you know from a tv perspective it's a lot more understandable and like a social perspective it's understandable but for like a legit money-making poker perspective it makes sense like keeping everyone having a good time even when they're losing is like a kind of a lost art that not a lot of players have anymore. Yeah. I mean, I hopefully I don't think I do it from like a sharky perspective. And also, I mean, obviously Selena's a, a good player. Like, you know, it's not, she's not necessarily someone that you need to keep uh, happy because she's going to donate to the game. But, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, you can have the combative element to the game and and be quite in hands. And then once the hand's over, if you can bring the tension level back down to, you know, as I said, you know, I, I think that that's something that comes reasonably naturally to me. And then the fact that you're, you know, you, we're it, in this circumstance, I feel like it's more like we had to play, what, 150 hands together? Yeah. And it's like, you're going to be sat at the table together, so let's all get on, basically, you know? It's like, we, we, we're we locked in to this for, for the next eight hours, so let's all get on. And that, that definitely was the case. We did all really get on. You talk about it being a 150-hand session, and Joe, obviously you've called more of these than I have in doing two seasons of the big game. I find the dynamics so interesting, how different they are, and how in a lot of these tables, maybe it takes a while for people to warm up or maybe just feel each other out or get into the game slowly. But we saw a lot of big pots early doors at your table. I mean, you get it in with the challenger, ace-king versus ace-king, chop pot. Uh, Selena stacks Jamie, Jake stacks Selena. There was no messing about here. Yeah, I think I think that's probably to do with, I mean, me and Jake, the way we play and the way we're going to approach a cash game. Particularly Jake has got a lot of experience now in high-stakes cash games and he's just going to exert a lot of pressure and be three-betting a lot in like a six-match format. I feel like the direction our style of play has gone you know, if this had been me a few years ago, I would have been like small balling around and calling pre-flop a lot. Whereas now I'm, I'm going to be like, when we're this deep, I'm going to be, I'm going to be three betting a lot and, and playing some big pots. And, and like you see, see like Jake over what two streets got all the money in, no problem. And I think 
couple of years ago, that just wasn't the case. Like it would have been one street. It would have been, well, it would have been like, it would have been like third part, three quarters part. Whereas now it's like over bet all in good luck, find your calls. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and that's, that's just the way that the, the, the kind of strategies have gone, I think. Yeah. Um, just quickly want to mention Jamie at the top table because i remember we'd seen jamie at the bahamas that year and obviously he then come to monte carlo to specifically play in this cash game he didn't even play the main event in monte carlo and we were saying oh you know since you took that bet from uh, bill perkins how much better you look based on the bahamas and now you look at these tv shows compared to where <laughs> jamie is now and it's like wow the transformation he's made in that period between these shows being filmed and these shows airing i kind of feel sorry for him in a way that people are now having to <laughs> look at look at this rather than see the buff jamie staples that we now see at the poker table yeah and yeah. he's also lost a bunch of weight <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I think it, it, your, your producers are quite lucky because this show wouldn't have dated at all except for like jamie's transformation really like marks it out as it did happen quite a while ago yeah um but i mean we made it no secret of when it was filmed we all know it was oh, in course, uh, monte carlo um so you guys decide to play the seven deuce game i have a question to ask was Selena generally pissed off about the Seven Deuce game? Because she seems annoyed when she gets beaten by Seven Deuce. She got annoyed that she missed an opportunity to play it. <laughs> you did kind of pile it on when you found out that she'd folded Seven Deuce. Oh, so that that must be in the next episode. Yes. And I, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's perhaps a situation where you want to ease your way in. I mean, I don't think it came about like super organically playing the seven deuce game. I think like someone maybe pushed it. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it, it depends what Selena's back. Wait, 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 is. who but pushed it? Who pushed the seven deuce game? I don't know. I feel like your producers pushed it to be honest. Tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, feel like I believe like the suggestion was made that if you guys wanted any action on the side, we didn't have a problem with that. And Jake <laughs> Cody <laughs> literally went, I call. And it was Jake who pushed it. Well, I, I tell you what, it's actually a pretty big one as well, because it's, it's three, the blinds are actually 2550 and it's 300 extra a person as he made it really huge. Like, I think it would be much more natural for it to be like a hundred bucks. So, but, but in the end it worked out really well. And I think it was fun, but I get, I guess in terms of Selena, it's just what you're used to. Like it may well be that Jake is way more used to playing live and therefore there being like extra games on the side, some props or what have you. If Selena's background is primarily online cash and I, I really don't know what it, her exact background is, then maybe for her, it's a bit discombobulating. Let's talk about, Ali Reza Fatehi, your nemesis. Uh, so obviously Legend. you haven't seen episode seven, which we'll talk about in a moment. Let's start with uh, episode six, the first show, the one you have seen, and that hand, the 8-3. Yeah. I mean, he's a great guy, firstly, let me say. Uh, I see him now at every stop, and we haven't managed to like spend real quality time together, but it's something I really want to do, because he's one of the most lovely, genuine people He's also, he's always invited me to Dubai, which I definitely, I was just about to ask you that he's invited me to his house on multiple yeah. occasions. I, I, and it's very sincerely said as well. And you know, his house is awesome, by the way, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it's unbelievable. And um, compared to the man caves that you and me inhabit snakes is probably unbelievable. And, um, wait, you're saying also, that he probably doesn't have loose posters of George Clooney hanging from his walls without no, frames. Exactly. I mean, he probably 
picks stuff up off the floor. He doesn't have mouldy food in the fridge, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> He's a civilized human. Um, uh, uh, the thing about that, so so that hand, obviously, you guys sort of picked out, and then so I, that hand I shared on Facebook, and so you know, everyone like messages you or whatever. I guess a lot of people have seen it, and I was thinking, I, I was in fact, I was saying to someone, it's, I'm actually really glad that I had a hand which I folded because obviously some of the time I'm just going to have, you know, a flush or like a four house or, or a queen with a diamond or whatever. I'm just going to be like, yeah, cool. And it's not, you know, it, it actually was really quite like watching it back. I quite enjoyed the pain, you know, I quite like, <laughs> like, like, like Jamie said, it. you know, I quite enjoyed that he got this through and it was, it, you know, it was, it, it, it's a, a nice sort of, little TV moment. Whereas if it had been, a, you know, an easy call or whatever, then it, it just wouldn't have had, you know, it wouldn't have been as exciting or, or what have you. I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a crazy hand, but, uh, you know, as I said, the, these things happen. One thing I will say is, I, I, and again, I can't remember it, exactly how it went down in Monte Carlo or the, the way the hands uh, played out. But he 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 showed that bluff and like yes. probably shouldn't have because after that it was you know he's going to be able to do that once and not again. It was yes, a, that it was, was my question. Did you did you learn something from that? Do you think that by losing that pot early on it put you in a great position to be able to win the rest of them? Yeah, I mean that's a little bit of a and and you know I I mean this with full respect of uh, of Ali but that's like the rich businessman play right he's done something absolutely out of the box and after that you're going to be able to just you know take take advantage of that and just take part like the next time I have a straight if he's got kind of random I don't need to think the pods are so good that as soon as you put in any kind of strange combos it's always a call with a hand that like once he's doing silly stuff so it's just going to make so many decisions easier further down the road uh, and I think I think that watching it back like in context one of the reasons I, d- I, I did give him credit is he did take a very funky line against Jake with the two with the two pair where he check raised bet checked check raised um, when he had ace eight and Jake had ace deuce, so so I was like, oh okay, like maybe he's he's just got. A, I mean, it makes more sense to have a full house or like quads than it does to have eight three. It's a pretty random combo, uh, but but yeah. No, he was. I was going to say he's very fond of making these polarizing bets that he calls watermelon bets. Sometimes the watermelon <laughs> is sweet, and sometimes there's a sausage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I I don't know what. I mean, the one thing I, I w- would say is he. He actually had a re- like if I ended up with that hand, it's a really good hand to three bet the river with because he he blocks a full house with three and he blocks a flush with a diamond. So kids, if you do have eight three off on on this river for some reason, like it is a good. Uh, it, I mean, I would make the the three bet bigger, but I think it's a pretty good bluff from him actually. Oh, d- Sam, great! This is fantastic, dear poker stars. <laughs> I was listening to your podcast and Samuel Grafton said I should always bluff the river with eight three. This did not work for me, mate. Anyway, uh, that's enough strategy. That's enough strategy. Um, let's talk about one last hand against Ali, which is in the show you haven't seen, but I'm sure you remember it. A six. Uh, Ali has a pair of fours. It's a four, five, seven right. flop. All the money goes in. You elect to run it twice. Boom! Eight on the turn. Sam makes a straight. Run one of one of two. And as you say, now your expectation has gone from down there to up there, and you expect to win both. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'll be interested when I see that episode is whether I look really disappointed 
when the ball yes, appeared on the river. You genuinely because, do look disappointed, and right, it's fantastic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing how quickly your expectations <laughs> just change. It's it's like Bitcoin. Like suddenly Bitcoin's twenty k, and if it goes that and it goes down two k, you're fuming. Like this was eight k a month ago, but suddenly you're abs- you're like, what the hell? It was quite like now I'm losing money. You know, it's like you just readjust real quick. It's like now I've got a, I've made my second straight. Also, you feel like yeah, this is the sort of stuff that deserves to happen to me. I'm a nice guy. Why 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 shouldn't I win this twice? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I can't remember the exact stack sizes. It's quite funny actually because because I do sort of <laughs> you, you you tend to forget these these run good moments. Um, obviously, we've got three shows still to go. Looking forward to continuing the story and the dynamic of this table and watching you in action, Sam. Uh, before we let you go back to a land down under where women glow and men plunder, uh, Joseph Stapleton has a contest for you. Oh, yeah, uh, Sammy boy, you know, th- uh, maybe in this episode, but throughout the course of all five, I end up making a lot of jokes about um, you distorting the audio levels, you being a very loud person. We, of course, remember that very famous story where we were at a bar in Prague and a waitress shushed you. <laughs> yeah, a very loud bar as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That. That I mean, that was just amazing. I, I was actually pissed off about that myself. But um, so we're going to play a game today called Pump Up the Volume, where okay. all of the questions involve something having to do with audio or vol- volume or loud or something being loud, but don't forget about puns, okay? Some of them might be a pun. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple of lifetimes on this one. You can lifetimes, a couple of lifelines on this one. You can Hector a Hardigan, or you can jingle, jingle your keys at a Giles. He's our audio engineer. They're two audio experts, so they might be able to help you out if you need it. Are you ready? I'm going through okay, the questions quickly now, and I'm wondering if there's any I don't know the answer to. Um, oh, I'm worried. Oh well, that's that. Hey, that's the chances you take when you're uh, when you're when you're a lifeline, James. Usually, you don't get to see the questions in advance. <laughs> Question number one: Overmodulation, or what you, Sam Grafton, due to our audio system making it distort whenever you speak, is also known as riding the. And I have uh, four choices for you. Multiple choice. Here we go. Is it riding the red, riding the wave, riding the purple pony, or riding the sound train? Um, well, riding the purple pony is what you do, so I think it's riding. <laughs> I think it's riding the red. Riding the red is correct. It's referring to the fact that the uh, the the, uh, the levels go up into the red to distort. One for one, Sam Graft. Here we go. Question number two: the abbreviation of the unit of measurement for sound or decibels, or the thing you are constantly drowning us in, is big D, big B. Little D, big B, big D, little D, or DBL? Little D, big B. That is correct. He is two for two. You're too good for these games, Sam Grafton. I love it. You know, once I went, Sam's one of the smarter people we have on the show, so I really didn't have to give him multiple choice, I don't think, but I have to do if, multiple choice. If you choice were only doing around. 20th century English literature, it would just be... I would be blowing you guys' mind. But anyway, in the 1922 text of James <laughs> Joyce's Ulysses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't, there's some great literary references coming up from Sam in the, the later episodes here. I think there's a lot of Kierkegaard. There is uh, <laughs> potentially some, some Bronte. Uh, here we go. 
Uh, question three, a cardio microphone designed to pick up sound from one direction that despite its design, you still manage to penetrate from every angle is so named because it is primarily used for someone who is running because it was invented by Francisco Cardi because it attaches to a sweater or because it is shaped like a heart. I didn't hear the first part. What's it called? What's the a, a cardioid microphone is so named because. Okay, give me the options again. Because it is primarily used for someone who is running. Because it was invented by Francisco Cardi. Because it attaches to a sweater. Because it is shaped like a heart. Wow, that's tough. I, I think primarily because of running. Primarily because running is incorrect. Oof. A cardioid microphone is heart-shaped. Right. Say, say. But it doesn't even matter if we use cardioid mics, Sam, because they pick you up no matter what. <laughs> uh, question number four. This English-Irish pop group was created on the ITV talent show Pop Stars, and how many of its members have I actively fantasized about? <laughs> girls, allow girls Allowed 5, Girls Allowed 4, Girls Allowed 3, Girls Allowed 2. I mean, is is it? I I I've got to go for five, for sure. You're not there's, there's you're not discriminatory against someone that's that's got red hair. Like I don't believe that. That, that would be the one he'd stage. be after the most. Oh, that's the one. Then five, definitely five out of five. Sam's going for five out of five. Believe it or not, guys, it's only two. Oh no! Only From girls two. Around. Yes, just uh -oh. two. Oh, dear yeah. Man. Okay. Now, hold on. Well, I should have said how many of them have I actively fantasized about separately. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. God. There might have been an all five active fantasy. Well, I'll, you know what? I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. You know what? I'm going to give it yeah. to him. Okay. Question number five. Which cum laude is very rarely used to come between magna cum laude and summa cum laude? Is it egregia cum laude, maxima cum laude, Summa magna cum laude, super cum laude. Summa magna. Summa magna is what I made up off the top of my head. <laughs> maxima cum laude is the answer. What what does maxima cum laude mean? Uh, it it it's the one that comes it somehow occasionally comes between magna cum laude and a summa cum okay. laude. Okay. I mean maxima just means the most, but okay, cool. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Question number six. Two more questions here. Volume. Is the word to use is the word used to describe the strength of the output of a sound, but what is the word used to describe the strength of the input of the sound? Meaning, what do we constantly have to turn down whenever Sam Grafton is on the microphone? I, is I'm it, gonna yeah go oh okay we got you got some go choices. On. Is it gain, grain, drain, or pain? I mean, it must be gain, right? Gain is correct. Gonna need to bring down the yeah. gain a little bit. Twist the gain down. <laughs> I'm just, you, you realize how surreal this is? It's like 3 a.m. here in Melbourne. I'm just, I'm just up like doing a, a, a quiz on volume. This is absolutely absurd. Like I don't know whether people at home will get how surreal this is. No, no, it's it a little bit surreal. You are a poker player. I refuse to believe that this is the most surreal situation you've ever found yourself in. Yeah, that, that that's definitely true. The most surreal this this weekend um, <laughs> today. Like, to, the yeah. older we get, the, the surreal situations become more and more boring. Like, oh, <laughs> this Skype call is surreal. Uh, okay. One last question here. What does the abbreviation DAT stand for? D-A-T. 
Does it stand for digital audio tape, duplicate audio track, deleted audio test, or dat ass though? Hey, um, uh, James, help me out here, bruv. It's digital audio things, yeah. tape. There we go. Is that your final answer, Sam? Digital audio tape? I will, yes. You are correct, Sam. You've done very well on this quiz. I feel bad that I I dumbed it down for you and gave you uh, multiple choice because I think you would have got some of them on your own. Sam Grafton, you, my my friend, are an absolute joy to watch. And I'm looking forward to the fact that we still got three more episodes of Sam Grafton coming up. Thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, I appreciated being invited on the show. And, uh, yeah, I hope it comes out comes out well i'm sure it will poker in the ears and there is a sam grafton theme to this week's free roll but let's very quickly reference last week's game joe uh, which attracted close to 200 runners so this game is starting to gain traction people are starting to find out about it now and people are starting to sign up and realize the value that is available and as promised I did say that at some point I would drop by the free roll and I did it unannounced this week and found that it was a much deeper stack game than I expected and it lasted a lot longer than I expected. Because I put a bounty on my head, I thought, this is going to take 30 minutes. I even made it to the first break. You are the worst. You are the absolute worst. I try so hard at poker and I can't make it out of level one. And you're like going in, you're like, all right, I got uh, I got some PlayStation, I got some Xbox to play. Let's go. Let's make this quick. You like almost cashed. Uh, no, <laughs> not quite. I think I, I finished in the top 100, so I made it through half the field. Half but the I did field. say to everyone at the table, and hopefully they all got the message, that I was going to put a bounty on my head, but I was not going to reveal details of what the bounty was or how to claim it until this show. Get the return oh, audience to see. Nice. Uh, so congratulations to Rebel Rongus who took me out with ace-king against king-10. I am prepared to give this player $50. But here's what Rebel Rongus has to do. I want to see this hand boomed. I want to see this hand replayed on Twitter, hashtag poker in the ears, with a heartfelt apology to me. It doesn't matter that you had me dominated, Rebel Rongus. (laughs) What are you doing? Calling an all-in with no pair. You only had ace-high. Yes, ace-king's a better hand than king-10, but you didn't know I had king-10. So I want an apology in a tweet with the hand boomed, hashtag poker in the ears, and as soon as I see that on Twitter, I will ship $50 to your PokerStars account. Now, is there going to be any sort of judgment on whether or not it qualifies as an apology? Like, if he's like, I'm sorry you got it in bad, does that count? As long as I see the hand boomed, to be perfectly honest, I'll happily send the money. All right, there you go. So the next free roll, not sure I will be able to play this one. Maybe, just maybe, if Joe's in town, he might drop by, though. Tuesday, the 27th of February. Next Tuesday, Joe, where will you be? I'll be in London, but the game's at 8.30 p.m., right? 7.30 London time, 8.30 European time. 7.30 London time. Uh, there's a chance. There's a chance. I've got I've got some plans that night, but I – look, I'm not going to lie. It's a date. But I almost kind of like to have these things to do when I'm on a date where I'm like, hey, look, sister, I got uh, – I'm kind of like a celebrity – in the poker world and i got this promotional poker tournament i just gotta play i gotta have my phone out at dinner honey and you so, can show her the chat when everyone goes oh, stipes! 
Exactly. So, you know, this, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry, sweetheart, but it's midnight right now and my show is about to come on. If you want to come to my room and watch it with me, um, that's great. Uh, because, but I have to, I kind of have to go do it. So I gotta, I gotta go play this free role and I know it's a little early to be coming back to my room with me, but, uh, I kind of have to do it for work. If you just want to hang tight and order something from the bar, or if you get cozy, get cozy while I play this thing. And I just got, I got to talk to some fans for a few minutes and, and then we can go back out. So it's the last $500 (laughs) free roll of February, Tuesday, the 27th, just to run through the start time. Uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. GMT, 8.30 p.m. Central European Time. It won't appear in the lobby until 20 minutes before it starts. It is called Grind Like Grafton, in honor of our guest Sam Grafton. Grind Like Grafton. And the password, in honor of where Sam finished in both seasons of Shark Cage, the password (laughs) is finished last. All one word, all lowercase, F-I-N-I-S-H-E-D-L-A-S-T. Finished last. So, value in the free roll. And of course, there is always value when you come on the show as a superfan. Superfan versus Stakes. Well, I'm particularly excited about this week's edition of Superfan versus Stapes. Partly because of the specialist subject, but also because we get to speak to the fantastically named Chris Gumprich. Welcome, Chris. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Chris Gumprich, any relation to Forrest? Oh, I haven't heard that one before, Joe. Right. Well, that's what I wanted to know is how often (laughs) have you heard that? Incessantly. And so was this like the worst day of your life when Forrest Gump came out? Yes, yes, it was. It was also the worst day of my life because it's a fucking atrocious movie. Uh, Chris, where are you in the world? I am in Winnipeg, Canada. How lovely. So, Chris, we used to ask this in a fancy way, but I'll I'll just ask the question more directly. What do you do for a living? I am a database administrator at a local credit union, which is as exciting as it sounds. So, basically, you have catalogues of people's debt. Pretty much, yeah. So, Joe, if you paid this guy enough money, he might wipe your credit history. Well, I mean, I, I assume it would have to be at his particular credit union, but I am willing to open an account. Do you, I used to do this bit on my old show where every single month the, uh, the loan officer from my credit union would have to call me to tell me that my car payment was due. And eventually he would get so, like, just so broken. He'd be like, hey, Joe. Yeah, well, it's uh, that time of the month again. Just uh, like he was like we were buddies, like he was like belabored calling me. Um, I know you said that it doesn't sound that exciting, Chris, but, you know, one of the benefits that you probably work like reasonable hours. Well, it depends what you consider reasonable. My day usually starts at seven in the morning, which is a little unreasonable, but it makes for a much quieter drive in. And quieter I also drive get in? to leave early. Yeah. What are you done by like three o'clock every day? It's three, three thirty. Look, I will say this. You can't put a price on being able to run errands. People who who work like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., that sucks. Absolutely. And apart from running errands, Chris, what else do you do to unwind? (laughs) Oh, I mostly spend time around the house, spend time with my kids, watch sports, play video games. 
Very much the stereotypical IT geek. <laughs> well, we are going to give you the opportunity to play some poker because we're going to give you the chance to win a satellite ticket plus, of course, a mini chipset so you can play some live poker at home. Um, how much poker do you normally get to play? And is it normally live or of the online flavor? Oh, t- just online. I usually get in a couple of days a week. Okay, maybe we can add a third to that or maybe you can just throw this particular event into your normal two-day run so you have chosen as your specialist subject i'm very excited about this airplane which is one of the funniest films of all time one of the funniest screenplays of all time thank you for picking this film oh it's one of my favorites too joe you surely must be a fan of this am i supposed to go for it now the shirley joke um (laughs) Yeah, of course. Airplane's one of those movies that, like, every time I have a girlfriend that comes up in conversation and they haven't seen it, I'm like, nah, we're not doing anything else right now. Come over here and, and we watch uh, Airplane. So, this is a movie I know fairly well. I gotta say, I feel really terrible about leading with the Forrest Gump thing. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, it's very early in the morning here. And I just, I, I like, don't feel good about myself. I, it's not, it lo, it's low hang, it's just not good. I, I think I, you're going to make up for it by completely crashing and burning during the forthcoming quiz. And okay, Chris good. is going to walk away with a victory. He's going to walk away with the prizes and nothing else matters. I'll be happy Sounds to. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, obviously, this quiz is built around lines from the movie because it's a very quotable movie with loads of great one-liners, loads of great gags. So with each question, I'm going to say a line and what I need from you is is the next line. It's always a conversation between two characters. Um, There are 12 in total. Chris, some are hard, some are easy. You can go anywhere on the board, one through 12. Where would you like to start? Got to start with seven. It is always coming seven. If you nail the line perfectly, or near to perfect, two points. If it's a kind of vague resemblance to what I have written in front of me, one point. And nothing if it's completely off the mark or you don't know. So number seven. The next line, please, Chris. It's a damn good thing he doesn't know how much I hate his guts. It's a damn good thing you don't know how much he hates your guts. Yes, for two points. He nails it perfectly. (laughs) I think I'm in trouble. (laughs) Come on, Joe. You must know this screenplay back to front. You can have any number other than seven. Uh, I'll I'll go with my lucky number nine, please. Number nine. They could be miles off course. Uh, there's a sale at Penny's. No, Chris, you can steal. Where the hell are they? No, they could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. Q. Oh, the ones, you know, on the ones that James is excited about doing are always real bastards. <laughs> because I actually do a quiz for people who know the movie, Joe. Uh, Chris, your next question. You do a quiz for people, like the guy who wrote the movie might not have fucking remembered that line. Uh, let's do number three. Number three. Well, we had a choice of steak or fish. Uh, Yes, I remember. I had the lasagna. Correct! For two points! (laughs) Joe, what number you want next? Uh, what did- what did our friend Chris just pick? Number three. I will have number four, please. Bad news. The fog's getting thicker. God, can I really do this again? 
Good news, there's a sale at Penny's. No. <laughs> Chris, do you know this one? And Leon's getting larger. <laughs> Correct, for two points. <laughs> James, what was that episode of a family feud in your country where the guy said like turkey like for every <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what this is turning into for sure that's gonna be that's gonna be me with the pennies line <laughs> yeah chris you have a six nil lead and it's your question um number 11 number 11 no sir i have never been in a plane before You ever see a grown man naked? For two points! He's nailing it every single time. Uh, okay, Joe. One, two, five, six. Can you six. just give me an easy one, please? I can't, I can't do this anymore. Okay, question number six, Joe. Yeah. Passengers certain to die. Airline negligent. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, do you want to steal for two points? There's a sale at Penny's? Correct! You asked for an easy one! <laughs> I threw you a softball! I gave you a gimme! <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Chris, which number would you like next? Oh, it's my turn. Um, two. The worst part is now I definitely can't even answer with that answer anymore. <laughs> Johnny, what can you make out of this? Well, I can make a hat, or a brooch, or a pterodactyl. Correct, for two points. He knows this movie. That should be Johnny like is the best. Six points. There are so many Johnny lines in this, I apologize, but he is by far and away the best character in this movie. Uh, Joe, one, five, eight, ten, or twelve? Number one. <laughs> Number one. Okay. I think you're going to get this one. There's at least a 30% chance you get this one. A hospital? What is it? It's a place where they take sick people, but it's not important right now. Close. I'm going to give you one point. It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. <laughs> okay, Chris, where do you want to go next? Five, eight, ten, or twelve? I'm on the board! Shut up! <laughs> give Number me a eight, please. Number eight. Captain, maybe we ought to turn on the searchlights now. No, that's just what they'll be expecting. Correct, for two points. Okay, I would have gotten that one. Just for the record, I would have got that one. Nailed it. Uh, five, ten, or twelve, Joe? Five. Because of my mistake, six men didn't return from that raid. And that's why I have a drinking problem? Nope. Chris? Uh, it's seven, actually. George Zip died last night. <laughs> Pretty close. I'm going to give you a point for that. Seven. Le Le Lieutenant Zip died this morning. Uh, final round. Chris, 10 or 12? Number 10. Now, your husband and the others are alive, but unconscious. Oh, it's another Johnny line. <laughs> of course it is. Just like Gerald Ford. Correct, for two points. And Joe, the final question. Surely there yeah. must be something you can do. <laughs> uh, 
there's nothing I can do and don't call me Shirley. Close, you get one point. I'm doing everything I can and stop calling me Shirley. That is the end of the game and that is a pretty decisive victory. 17 points to Superfan Chris. Two points to Joe Stapleton. I call that a drubbing. Just out of interest, Chris, there was a tiebreaker question. Airplane is a comedic reworking of the all-too-serious disaster movie Zero Hour. What year was Zero Hour released? Uh, 1969? No, 1957. And have you ever seen it, Joe? I would have said 68, by the way, so I would have been closer on that one. <laughs> have you seen Although it? we weren't really near a tie, were we? I have not seen the original, no. Oh, my God. You do realize it has exactly the same plot and exactly the same script with many of the same one-liners, but done completely straight. For example, the lives of the passengers on this plane rely on someone who can fly who hasn't had fish for dinner. That's actually delivered as a serious line in a serious drama. It doesn't. Uh, it sounds okay to me. <laughs> no, trust me, it's not. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show. Congrats! You get the chipset. You get the satellite ticket. Uh, enjoy. Thanks very much, guys. Hey, Chris. You know what they say? Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I gotta go. I'm so sorry I had to I had to let go of him with the Forrest Gump joke, but I did so badly in the quiz and I opened so badly with that just awful Forrest Gump. Why did I do that? I don't like the lowest hanging fruit. You see, you thought the questions were too hard. You thought I made it too nerdy. He crushed it. And by the way, I tested that quiz in the office, and anyone with half a knowledge of the movie got at least half the questions right. You well, just don't, don't remember shit anymore. I don't have to tell you. No, look, that's just a weird way to do a quiz is like, tell me the next line. Like, I don't know. It's just. Uh, but they're all famous lines. Some of them were famous lines. Anyway, I don't want to I don't argue anymore with this. I decided to end on the Forrest Gump reference because I might as well just bury myself and just have a completely abysmal performance all around today. We're almost out of time, James. Yes, what we is are. it? I was going to ask, before you leave Los Angeles, are you going to go to the American Poker Awards? Yes, of course I'm going to the American Poker Awards. Um, I'll try to get one of the winners to be the guest on next week's show. You know, it ain't going to be me. But maybe, you know, it'd be great. Let's. I'm going to try to get Nick Shulman. Are you down to have Nick Shulman on the show? Absolutely. Love to have Nick on the show. Yeah, let's try to get Nick Shulman. Uh, Well, I'm predicting that he's going to win now. But hey, maybe Lon McCarron. Fingers crossed. Lon McCarron may... His talent may finally be recognized. Um, I also, so I'm headed uh, to London the very next day. I am, in fact, going to go play at the Hippodrome on Saturday. I'm going to go play the Megastack. Uh, my flight doesn't land till 1130 in the morning, and the Megastack starts at noon or 1230. Um, so I'm going to be a little late. But I did uh, write ahead to the staff there and ask them if that was going to work, and they said it'd be fine. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll be a little short stacked when I get there, but, uh, Hey, it's not a huge buy-in 170 pounds. It's something that's, uh, that it's not going to completely make or break me. And there is a, a re-entry. So I'll probably end up going off for about 350 there. There's that and the hotel extra hotel nights for me to come play the tournament. Uh, turns out I'm paying for those myself. So I got to finish like fourth or better. Probably you want to uh, win it, Joe, even. cause you want the platinum pass. I do kind of want the platinum pass. I kind of want uh, to have to worry about what that is going to fucking mean. 
if I win the Platinum Pass. Also, I'm going to do uh, some stand-up on Monday night in Dalston. If you guys want to check that out, uh, if you listen to this in time and you're in the area, check out my Twitter. Big question, crucial question. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. have time to watch the early 1980s comedy, The Cannonball Run, because that will be the subject of next week's Superfan Quiz when Michael Nadasti joins us on the show. I will most certainly watch it because I've never seen it and I am very no. excited to see that movie. Okay. Well, as I mentioned last week that I was a bit disappointed with it when I rewatched it, but producer Ben is a huge fan and our interns, Robbie and Matty, are going to watch it for the first time. So you might get a few softballs from them. If it's a Robbie and Matty quiz, I've got a shot. Yeah, especially if you have a recent recollection of the movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's it. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming up next week. American Poker Awards. I will be in London. But for now, that is all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>